Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. If that mission resonates with you to help a million homeowners, please do me a favor, like, subscribe, and share this content with someone who you know can benefit. I'm your host, DJ Alojo, and today it is my privilege to have one of my friends and fellow Mastermind members, um, Frank Iglesias, with us today. Frank, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, DJ? Man, I am phenomenal. Excited to dive in deep with you. I know that we see each other um, once a month and we we interact and we exchange ideas, but I'm happy to have you on the podcast because I think until you can sit down with somebody and and and, and really dive deep into their, their story, uh, you don't really have a full understanding of who they are. And so I'm excited to do that with you today. But just so our listeners understand who they are hearing from um, and the expertise that you have. Um, Frank is a experienced real estate investor. He has done hundreds of type of real estate deals from fix and flips to wholesales to new construction in numerous states. No, so not just one state. He has also started a podcast called What Worked For You and is interviewing entrepreneurs, talking about their journeys and their experiences and their mistakes. And so Frank is somebody who knows a lot about a lot. And he is going to dive deep today into what it means to handle foreclosure from the perspective of an investor. And when I mean by an investor, as a as a individual who has experienced it firsthand and navigated it successfully. And so, Frank, I know I just kind of gave a couple highlights of your background. Maybe take a couple moments and just let our listeners know anything else they should know as we start the podcast. Wow. What the, well, first of all, thank you for the intro. And I would say to get started, business is people. You know, you go to education and you know, maybe it's seminar, maybe it's RIA meetings. Um, maybe if you're on the homeowner side, you're learning stuff from the mortgage company, a lender or a trusted advisor. <clears throat> There's all these resources. We've never had so many resources. But at the end of the day, I think the number one resource that is not discussed enough is the resource of people and businesses people. And that's not how I learned real estate. Like I learned real estate, like so many is, this is how you flip a house. This is how you fix a house. This is how you do all these things. But rarely do you hear about, this is how you interact with people. This is how you communicate better. This is how you improve your communication. This is how you work with people. And so when trouble comes, what I have seen over and over again, and have experienced firsthand is the deficiency. A lot of times, the biggest deficiency is, how do we work with people? And so I had to change my circles and put myself in circles of very successful people. And I learned two things from some uber successful people. One, all of them have had some a serious dark moment in their life, all of them, which colored my dark moment as, wait a minute, in the moment it's dark. But then one, as one of my coaches said to me, Frank, it's just part of the training. It's all it is. And, like, and when I talk with him about it, he's like, like it's like nothing and the challenges and stuff. It's like, it's like, it's just part of the journey. And when you have that dark moment, then when you have your next level of success, you can appreciate it in a way you never could have. So that was one thing I learned. And then the other thing I learned, uh, again, from people who are far more successful than I do is what I just said is business is people that like, that's it. Like those three words, business is people. And we got it. We got to learn that first and foremost. And, you know, when you look at it that way, it's totally changed the way I looked at the real estate business. 
Well, Frank, those are those are some huge nuggets and insights you dropped at the beginning of a podcast. Like typically people are waiting to the end to drop those nuggets. So I, I, I want to highlight a couple of things that you said that I think people and our listeners need to understand. One is that business is people is right. Uh, and also that foreclosures are people. And I think as an investor or as a bank or as somebody going through foreclosure, there is a tendency to forget that there are people on the other end of that demand letter. There are people on the other end of that situation who are going through whatever life event is going on. And so that's the first thing. The second thing that you highlighted is about their dark spots in everybody's life. And that's part of the journey. And I think that in our culture, which is a Instagram, Facebook, highlight real culture, people are just showing their highlights. And I think it makes us forget that everybody, no matter who you are, is going to have a dark season and multiple dark seasons at that. And that you can't enjoy the view from the mountaintop if you have never been in the valley. And so I think that that is sound wisdom and sage advice that you just gave to our listeners. And I hope they internalize it. So Frank, from that perspective, help our listeners understand maybe your dark moment when it came to real estate investing and foreclosure. You know, it's interesting. One of the things um, that I learned was, uh, you know, in the earlier years of investing, you know, we did what we did. We learned the systems, yada, yada, yada. And we enjoyed, you know, pretty good success. And, you know, things were pretty good and life was good. And then what we learned was we had this idea of, hey, let's scale it because we could. And the problem is, and, and you're not, you'll kind of get it when I share this, is it was too easy to scale. It was too easy. And that was the problem because I learned, and I, I've since learned, again, not from real estate circles. And by the way, I'm not being negative toward real estate circles. I just had to get in other circles to get what I needed to get. Absolutely. And I learned from some uh, very successful business professionals who were not real estate entrepreneurs that there is a proper way to scale. And when I looked at what I did, I'm like, yeah, that ain't what I did. We did it wrong. And sure enough, we we tried to take the mentality of someone who was at a specific level and multiply it because it was kind of like the adage of, well, if it worked there, it'll just work, do more of it. And that is not how you grow a business. That is not That does not work. There's a system to growing a business and it wasn't what we did. So we basically were a victim. Of, we were literally a victim of our own success. And the problem is the word victim is an incredibly uh, disempowering word. So, but we had that thinking. So I, I learned something that I thought was really, this. maybe this is a little bit off, but I think it's very pertinent. And it was this, and ironically it came on Facebook, um, where someone put a meme out and it was supposed to be a, a Chinese proverb, you know, the ancient Chinese proverb. And I've always wondered, did that really come from China? But that's neither here <laughs> nor there. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But the wisdom was wise. And it said, he who blames others has a very long way to go. He who blames himself is halfway there. And I, and I pause there for a moment because that's not the end of the proverb. Usually you hear it taught as... When you blame yourself, you're taking personal responsibility. That's a good thing, right? You're taking ownership, and that's good. Like, we understand instinctively it's good to take personal responsibility and so forth, right? But this proverb said, you're only halfway there when you do that. And then the completion of the proverb is where it finally came together for me. He who blames no one has arrived. 
And I sat there and I thought about it and I had a conversation with one of my coaches about this and it, it finally clicked. When you take personal responsibility, you're, you're doing a good thing. But if you're still blaming yourself, hence the he who blames himself, on the one hand, you're taking personal responsibility, which is great. But on the other hand, you're still blaming. So you're shooting yourself in the foot. So you're never, you're still not really progressing. And, I, and that's exactly what I experienced. It's like, yes, this is what we want to do. But on the other side, I was shooting myself in the foot. And so you never really, it was like, okay, I took responsibility. Let's fix it. But then we're not getting the progress we want. And then you realize it's because you've been shooting yourself in the foot the whole time. And so I, yeah, I had to learn, hey, this idea of you literally blame no one is extraordinarily free. And it took me back to a book called The Obstacle is the Way, where it said, hey, we get to define any event that happens in our life. We have the opportunity to define what that event means for us. And we never, um, we never not have the ability to do that. And that's incredibly powerful. And it's something I try to remember often. Yeah, man. So when you just said that, a, a couple of things came to mind for me. One is, um, and I've read that book, The Obstacles Away. It is a good book. You said you said coaching, and you said you talked through this with your coach. And for me, when I think about that, I think about somebody like you who's had success in the real estate world, and that you still have a coach. You still you, you still needed help in this season. And I think a lot of homeowners and business uh, investors, right, who have some perceived success, are afraid to ask for help whether it's from a coach, a family member, an attorney, or whoever, they're afraid to ask for help. It, it, they, they feel as if it makes them less of a person to say, I needed help, when the, it's the exact opposite. The best of the best of the best are always asking people, people for help because that's how you get better. That's how you get objective feedback. That is how you overcome the obstacle and are able to reframe things that may be challenging or difficult to, to situations where you just need to level up. And so I, I really appreciate your, your transparency there. Just saying like, hey, you know, even I have coaches who help me through this. So let me piggyback off what you said. I do not believe in doing real estate business or really any business without coaching. The mistake, and here's the irony, the mistakes I made happened in the, sh in the time period when I didn't have a coach. That's when all the, that's when the mis Now I didn't realize at the time they weren't mistakes, but I didn't have that trusted advisor, coach, mentor, whatever, looking at me that I'm talking to on a regular basis saying, hmm, do you really want to do that? It may not be the best idea because why have you considered like there was a period of time where I did not have that and that's when all the mistakes happen. So now we have coaches to help us as we're like, okay, clearly not having a coach to provide a pretty big mess and you don't even know you're creating it. That's the thing that it can be insidious in that respect that and then people take advantage of you and all sorts of things can blow up. Uh, you know, all, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of very successful people, and I have learned one of the common threads is every one of them has some kind of coaching. All of them. So you are building a real estate business. It's going really, really well. And you just said, let's just do more of this, right? Let's let's just do more. We're gonna 
where, you know, we're going to go from doing one house a month to, to 10 houses a month to 100 houses a month. Like, so help us understand where it went bad and when you knew you had to take some decisive action in order to get out of the challenging situation you found yourself in. So how it went bad, I mean, it's, there's multiple levels, but the reality is a lot of things were actually doing very good. But it's, uh, yeah, and I, I, again, a, a lot of what I might say today, I, I might be taking no credit for. One of my coaches said this. He's a very successful guy. He said he still gets coaches even though he usually knows what they're going to tell him. But he's like, I might know what they're going to tell me 99 times. It's the one that I don't know that's going to get me. And that's, and I don't know that we were doing 99% of things right, but we were doing a lot of things right. And the one thing that I didn't get right was how to, I, I, it's almost laughable when I think back on it. And that was how to get the right contractors to manage on-site work. And you would think having worked with several, that would have worked, but we were getting a lot into building houses. And that's a totally different mindset from remodeling houses. Like a lot of people see as, well, if I could remodel, I could build, or vice it's, it's really two different worlds. It really is. And I've done enough of both that I can say that with absolute certainty. It really is two different worlds. And when you deal with spec building versus production building, that's two different worlds. And if you deal with custom building, that's a whole different world. So there was a lot of niching going on that I was not aware of. And it led to us basically making a bunch of mistakes, trusting a lot of people. And the long and short of it is I became the builder. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you know, the workload like oh, just blew up all this, that, the other. And what I, and then, so, you know, we're trying to take an experience of a long time and say it into like a minute or two. Right. So what we realized at the end of the day was we had to make sure we did two things. One, we worked with people that were supportive to figure things out because we're trying to do the right thing. And two, if someone was not going to be part of the solution, they had to go. And so that's exactly what happened. Some people just had to go. And, you know, I was asked once, do you regret it? I said, I do. I, I said, I said, my only regret is I wish we would have got to that point. So I, I want, I want to back up because some of the folks may not fully be tracking all the details of your story, right? And so Frank was an investor who just had great success and success begets success. And he said, I'm going to try building. So for those of you who don't understand, renovating a house is different than building a house and different than doing custom builds. Each of them have different skill set, different nuances, you know, working with homeowners versus working with, you know, uh, other investors or just working with one GC versus working with multiple subcontractors. So to make a, a long story short, Frank basically grew a business and did not have all the right components in the right seats to help him drive the vision th that he had. And he found himself in a position where he was on the hook for a lot of different projects and a lot of different things going on. And when he said that he wanted to do what was right, but he had to make some decisions on working with people who were willing to work with him and those who were not, is that he had to make a decision on what to do with the lenders what to do with the contractors, what to do with the investors who were partnering with him on these things to move forward. And I think for a lot of folks who are in, in a foreclosure situation, you may find yourself in a situation where 
everything was going right, especially in this environment where multifamily, you know, cap rates have changed and interest rates have gone up so high. You may have been doing everything right for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden, in the last 24 months or 12 months or 18 months, things look a lot different. You are not the only one who's there. People have been there and people are there currently. And so it's really important, like Frank just said, that you make a decision sooner rather than later to take some decisive action to change your financial future. Um, Frank, you can continue. I'm sorry. No, it was interesting as you were sharing that you brought, you know, you talked about Instagram stories, Facebook earlier and so forth. But again, I just want to reiterate some of those people, even in our local market, but, you know, nationwide that we're like, look at them. They're super successful. They're this, that, the other. I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of people and it's amazing. It's kind of like we're chatting, but you get to know some of those people that sometimes you looked up to, they, they've been to hell. You know, they've been there. They've been there. You just don't know it because you haven't known them long enough. But or you, or, but they've been around longer than you. And so I realized, and, and it's like I said, a lot of super successful people have gone through a very dark place. And it's easy to forget that because we're in the Instagram, Facebook, show us your best, all this, that, the other, look at that, you're amazing, and you're just like... But if you've been around for a while, you know a little bit better, right? You know? And, you know, some people... And, and here's the other thing I was throwing in there. I'm a little older now. I got great. I joke. I'm like, you know, hey. some of these gray hairs, they're tied to specific properties. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you're around a little while, you realize, you look back at your younger self, whether it be five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you're like, sometimes when you're younger, you go through periods where really not much goes wrong. And nothing of significance. Like, I mean, when I say stuff goes wrong, like something really bad. And so it's easy to believe, well, I've never gone through this. I, this has never happened to me. And so, anyway, so the people that are like, well, you know, I've never, that'll never happen to me. I've never experienced anything like that. Just hang around a little longer. Your time's coming. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. what I've learned is life, the storms of life spare nobody. Okay? I want to repeat that. The storms of life spare nobody. And so I have also learned through my experiences, humility and and I, I actually wrote down a list of things to share on this, but there's a number of qualities that I think really help us grow through these dark times. And which kind of goes back to the beginning. At the end of the day, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing an investment, the business is people. If I'm a homeowner, I've got a business relationship probably with a bank and we call that business relationship a mortgage, but if there are real people there. Right. And banks don't want your house. You know, it's never been easier to not get foreclosed on. Right. Because a lot of banks, they've got much more sophisticated and they will go to great lengths to help you stay in your home as long as, you know, you figure out a reasonable path forward to do your part. You know, in working with people that have, that have been dealing with foreclosure, I've been amazed at how long people can be behind. It's like, I've seen a decade. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. And so that wasn't the case back in like the crash of 2008, which, you know, anyone's been around real estate for a while knows. Um, one of my colleagues said something that I thought was very interesting. And he said, if you got involved in real estate 
from like, two, I think it was 2013, 14 forward, he said, you didn't actually accomplish anything. And I thought, that's a strong statement. And what he meant by that was, if you start in 2013, 14, you haven't accomplished anything. What he meant was, it's, the market's only been going up, so you haven't really seen the difficulties that can be presented again, the storm. And what he was referencing, of course, was the storm of 08, and he was actually going back even farther in time. So humility plays a huge piece, and it's easy to lose sight of that. And it's so easy for your sight to be distracted. There's this, and you say yourself, the attorneys, the lenders, the the realtor, the, the inspector, the whoever, right, whoever. But I just have learned when we're talking about the subject of foreclosure, whether you're a homeowner, investor, doesn't matter. It's about a people relationship and how can people come together to solve it. And I just think that's absolutely critical. And now looking back, I'm like, wow. And that's why I said a little while ago, the hardest decisions were there's certain people that need to stay and certain people need to go. Because there's one thing we can all agree on is when difficulty comes, that's when we really learn who we're working. So Frank, you went through some difficult seasons. You've been through this um, foreclosure fire and now you're on the opposite end. Help those listening understand what life looks like on the other end of it. What is life like? Well, first of all, there's a cleanup process, right? Like it doesn't just, okay, it's done. We just go be... Some people would like to think, oh, it's over. But is any when someone when someone goes through something difficult in life, does it just end on a dime? No. Why? Because we're what we call humans. And we don't we have a we have a tendency to remember things that will bond us down, whether it's guilt, embarrassment, shame, whatever, right? Whatever the case may be. Uh, you're gonna deal with people that are gonna judge you. You're gonna deal with people that are going to judge you based on one percent of the facts. Okay, that's the world we live in. That's not unique to anything we're talking. That's the world we live in today. Everyone's an armchair quarterback expert at everything. Because those for me, a perfect example, the Buffalo Bills. I'm not even an NFL fan. The Buffalo Bills just lost the game to was it the Chiefs? And the guy hits a field goal, and it goes wide right. Now, I remember watching the Super Bowl 30-something-odd years ago when the first wide right happened. So it was like, oh, my gosh, did that just really just happen? That was over 30. And so now they're calling it wide right, too. And you've got people that and, – and, and there was two things that really struck me. Obviously, the irony of it was, you know, kind of like – and I felt bad for the ticket, right? Like, it was like, wow, that sucks. But here's a – you have these people commenting on social media and, you know, some of them are kicking jokes. Some of them are being like, you know, uh, empathetic. Some are being mean, the whole nine yards, right? Like anything else. But what struck me was this guy actually, it is reported that he shut down his social media. I think it was his Instagram or something because he was like getting like death threats and stuff. Wow. And I'm just like, you know, he missed a check. Like life goes on. But then what really also struck me was how many people that were fans of the Bills, someone, and, and, and you never know, right? Just, you know, how serious are these posts they're posting? You know, who knows? But when someone takes a time and post, man, I'm still recovering from the last one. I'm like, dude, that was 30-something years ago. Like, was it really that bad? Were you the chitter? Yeah, you, know, you weren't the chitter. Like, if the chitter's recovered, you ought to maybe consider like, doing a little better, right? But... I also don't know the person that said that, so I'm not going to judge, but it does make you wonder what goes through people's minds. 
And so when you ask me, what is life like after? One of the things I learned is don't judge. Like now, when I, I've learned a level of empathy that never existed, just doesn't exist. So when I see somebody going through something tough, my default now is what's, you know, what's the whole story? Because there's probably a whole lot that I don't know. And so I'm not going to judge that person based on what I, I sure as hell I'm going to judge it off rumor, social media, what some other expert said or any of that. Sure as I did not do that. Like if I, I want, I would want, if I'm going to really come to a conclusion on a story, I would want to hear from both sides of the story because there's always two sides. And I would do it from a position of um, empathy. Yeah. Like I absolutely. said, the storms of life spare nobody. And so absolutely what I've nobody. learned, absolutely nobody. Empathy, and I wrote, actually wrote this phrase now, fear is useless, empathy is everything. Fear is useless, empathy is everything. Nothing good comes from a position of fear. And I'm not talking about like fight or flight, like you step on the road and here comes a, a mad truck. Oh, let me go. Like, I'm not talking just that general sense of, the brain going into what if mode, what if this happens, what if that happens in light, right? Like nothing good comes from that. We want to evaluate the worst case scenario, sure, but we don't want to do it from a position of fear. We would not take that emotion out of it because it's not healthy. We want to be empathetic. Okay. Being empathetic is just absolutely critical because there is always more to the story. And if we sat down, if any human being sat down and really talked about their darkest moment, that's probably a really long conversation that usually can be traced back in time and who knows what, right? Like it's a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> and the other thing I learned from this, and again, I take no credit for this. This was what some of the people that helped me through my situation taught me. Foreclosure is not the end of the world. It's a business decision. They said foreclosure is a business decision. And so the question is, what's the business? So if you're an investor, maybe it's a business transaction and you're asking, does it make business sense to do A versus B? Now, both are going to have their own repercussions and you just have to choose which is the bigger burden to deal with, which is the best path forward. And you got to know, all right, regardless of which one I choose, I got to figure out now the recovery from that. And that recovery, and you said it yourself in one of your podcasts, I went checking out some of by the way, <laughs> you said that pro that recovery can take years. Yeah. Not that we want it to, but the reality is it might because of the circumstances. Well, what if you're the homeowner? What is your business? Well, your business is your family. Like, that's your first business. And you know, that should always be your first business, right? And even as an investor, your first business is your family. Like that's everybody's first business. If you're Because if, if you're not taking care of your family, I mean, quite frankly, not much else is going to matter all that. That's when you're, you, we've all heard the phrase when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to remember this, but you sure as heck are not, not remember your family. So you've got to take care of the family first. And then, and the other, and another thing I learned is, so again, whether you're an investor or you're a homeowner, foreclosure is not an indication of who you are as a person. It really isn't because if it was, then there's lots of people in the world that have made mistakes and they would be judged to hell and we would never hear from them again. Yep. What about, I'm, I had the opportunity of meeting a lady who deals with people that came out of very bad situations, dealt with PTSD and all this stuff. And her job is to help them with restoration. Like, but they did a bad thing, right? And maybe it was a bad thing, right? But you've got to be able to come back from that. 
And in order to do that, it's not, are you a good or bad person? It's a, you made, you made a mistake. Sometimes you don't win the battle in the game of life. Sometimes you don't win the battle. The key is, did you figure out, I lost the battle, but I'm continuing to win the war? Exactly. Foreclosure is nothing more than a battle that's a moment in time. It is not the definition of who you are, what you represent, what you can become, what kind of amazingness is inside of you, and and the ability to overcome you know whatever comes out of that. Well, Frank, man, you know I, I got to stop you there because you're giving out too many juicy secrets. And before you take my job, I need to go ahead and move to the move to the bow tie round, right? Right. So, hey, y'all, uh, this this brings me to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round, where where Frank is going to try to take my job again. Um, and in our bow tie round, uh, the B in our bow tie round stands for your best advice for somebody facing foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for. And the W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. And so, Frank, uh, you've been dropping gems all day, but but give us a B. What is your best advice for somebody facing foreclosure? Find the best people that have walked in those shoes that have succeeded. They're successful but they've been in that dark spot and they overcame it because they give you a perspective of, hey, I've sat on the mountaintop and I've sat on the throne in the gates of hell. They've seen both sides. They sat next to the devil. Because <laughs> that's what, it, by the way, that's what it feels like sometimes. But they also have sat next to that person that has been on the mountaintop because that person that's been on both will give you a perspective that you can't get unless you've been there. Yeah. You want advice from people. There's a lot of people that say, I understand that don't because they're being nice or whatever. You want the person that truly understands because they've lived it, they've grieved it. And it doesn't have to be foreclosure, just the idea of they've been in the darkest of places of life and the brightest. And they, because they give you a perspective and encouragement. That helps you real, it keeps your problem in perspective. This is not the definition of your life. It is a moment in time. Don't make it more than Because it's too easy to make it more than it is. Absolutely. So, Frank, one thing you are grateful for right now? Um, One thing I'm grateful for right now, my coaches. I, I just, wow. If I had not met who I met to coach me, who knows, right? Who knows? So, yeah, I give them tremendous thanks because they... And I mentioned one of them earlier who said to me, when we first started, he said, and I explained, this is what's going on. He's like, it's just part of the training. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, did you hear anything I just said? <laughs> I heard you. It's just part of the training. You're good. We'll get through it. Like there was no big deal. Yeah. And, and like some, I had to learn how to process that. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you just need that cheerleader. You need that additional boost of confidence to be like, I can do this. Like, you know, because you don't know the way forward. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen enough dark days. But someone saying, yeah, you'll get through this um, allows you to know that, okay, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be okay. Right. Yeah. He's, I saw Frank dealing with difficulty. He saw Frank, you're still Frank. You're still the amazing person that's going to do amazing things and do all this great stuff. You just had a butt. That's it. He saw that for what it was. I still didn't. He had to teach me how to see myself. Yeah, that's huge. The last thing, your wildest or most interesting foreclosure-related story. Okay, 
So we had a lady once that we helped, and this is this this story might be really a microcosm of our whole conversation, or a summary. Maybe that's the right. I don't know. Microcosm inside the right word. So maybe it's a summary. We'll go with that. So a lady came to us. We actually were pursuing the lead, and long story short, had a house. City tore it down, slapped a demo lien on it. We'd been trying to reach out to her, not were not successful, or we did and we just didn't go anywhere, whatever the story was. So we finally reached a point where we had a real conversation with this nice lady, got to meet her, nice lady. And obviously it's personal information, so I can't share too much. But needless to say, had been in foreclosure for several years. And she was ready to deal with it. And so she did the necessary steps. There was like a probate involved and there was all, there was other things. And there was this whole thing, right? So there was multiple issues at this to clean up. And so she got it all squared away. Okay. They got the probate done. Of course, that involves bringing heirs in and relatives to sign off on documents. And the long and short of it is once it was all said and done, she now fully owns this property by herself so that she could close it and close this chapter of her life. And there was a tax sale going on as well. And that's where it accelerated some of this. So we're now three weeks out from the tax sale. Everything submitted. All we need is the county, and I'm not going to name the county, to bless what all what all the legal people did. Okay? And because everything was done, recorded. I mean, this thing was 100% done. All they had to do was say, yep, we're good. That's it. And they said, we've looked at all the work. Everything looks fine. However, we would like to conduct our own investigation. We're three weeks from the tax sale. And now I say, no, I'm sorry, not the tax sale, the end of the redemption period. Does the tax sale already have? We were prepared to close on this property. Like she was going to walk away healthy, whole. We would walk away. We would get the deal. Everybody would be made whole. The city would be made whole on their, their demo, the whole thing. And so. They decided they wanted to conduct their own thing. Well, there is no such thing as that process in three weeks, right? Because it, it was it was effectively analogous to a quick claim. So the long and short of it was because they decided to not, even though all the attorney's works were filed and complete and all they had to do to say, yep, we're good, they decided to conduct their own investigation. There was no way it was going to happen in three weeks. So what happens? Redemption period ends. And she lost the property. We lost the deal, but I mean, I'm an investor. Like we lose deals that, you know, that's okay. We'll just help somebody else. Right. But that was not her. This was a homeowner who lost a property. And she, at the end of the day, did everything she needed to do. And then to add insult to injury, she would have, re she actually called me a few weeks after it happened because some of her relatives called her saying, Hey, why is this particular municipality calling me about this. We already settled this months ago. So it was an insult to injury. And, but before you say anything, just the lesson there was, here's a person that we truly helped. We got everything done. It was a done deal. The bow tie was done. And she still lost the battle. She still lost the battle. And so the lesson simple is, you might do everything right, and it still might not work out. So be prepared for that. You got to be prepared for that. That statement, man, is so true. And uh, in my new book called The Foreclosure Fix, we have a chapter called Expect the Best, 
but prepare for the worst. And in that chapter, it talks about that same sentiment where you just don't know what may happen. And expecting the best, but preparing for the worst allows you to always be in a position where the outcome you're comfortable with. Um, and, and Frank, man, I appreciate your gems today. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your your transparency. And, and for you just sharing real advice with folks who may be having a difficult situation, um, you share some things that have not been shared on the podcast before, just talking about the aftermath uh, of of what happens after the fact. Um, so for our listeners who who, who want to follow your journey, um, we know that you're an active investor um, in, in multiple states, particularly in Georgia, but I know in other states as well. How can people get in contact with you? How can they follow your journey? How can they reach out if they want to? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. I'm all the big ones, right? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. TikTok, TikTok and Instagram. So maybe Facebook <laughs> relented the best. Nothing wrong with the other two, but that's more like entertainment a lot of times. Um, or, you know, they can email us info at workingwithhouses.com. Uh, and I'd be happy to talk with them. And yeah, I mean, we're all on a journey together. So, uh, and then of course there's the podcast, right? So oh, absolutely. So, so y'all check out his podcast, what worked for you. And, and, and with that, man, we're going to wrap another episode of the foreclosure fix podcast. Y'all if the mission to help one million homeowners resonates with you. Do us a favor, like subscribe and share it with someone who, you know, can help. Also my new book called the foreclosure fix. 12 Proven Steps to Beat the Bank, Escape Foreclosure, and Turn Your Property into a Profitable Asset is coming out soon. So please grab a copy, pre-order. It can help you. 20 bucks can save you so much more. Thank you so much for joining us. I love you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you next time. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.